Welcome to Training Common Sense, where you might find something a little bit interesting. So welcome back to Training Common Sense. Um, I've got uh, I've got my good friend Mike with me again. Um, I will have other guests at some point in the future. I'm uh, I'm sure, but at the moment um, at the moment you've just got to listen to me and Mike again. Hi, Mike. Morning, Dave. When you, when you can find better guests, <laughs> when I can find better guests, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in one of our previous podcasts, we talked about speed to competence, and we touched upon. Um, a bit of an idea or a concept where we started to talk about micro learning, um, and Mike actually mentioned, you know, that that one of the biggest micro learning platforms that that is available nowadays is YouTube, um, and that that re- certainly resonated with um, with me because I would use YouTube, you know, to to pick up on how to do, you know, how to do different things, whether it's DIY, whether it's working on a car. Um, and actually, it played um, it played quite strongly to both Mike and I uh, I's background, or Mike and mine's, mine and Mike's background, um, where how we currently try to train technicians in the automotive industry, and I'm sure this will apply to technical roles in other industries. Um, we spend an awful lot of time and money training technicians to such a high level you know master technician whatever the whatever the title might be so um so we felt it was worth just talking uh, just talking through what what does that look like um how do we you know how do we see that see that working is that is that does that summarize it about right mike yeah no absolutely it's 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 funny actually because just just you um talking about because we, we've spoke about this over years and we actually had a uh, an automotive um, manufacturing group seminar. I'm not sure if you you can remember helping pull the content together around mega trends and mm. impact training. I so do. we had, I think it was circa 19 different manufacturers that we were presenting to. And I asked a bold question right at the start, and that was, you know, raise your hand if you learner journeys, uh, master technician levels, level two, three, four, whatever manufacturer calls them, or have a master technician level, you know, raise your hands how many people have achieved saturation in their network. Now, where you've got your network to the point of, yes, we have one master technician per retailer because that's what we deem our network requires. <laughs> uh, you can guess how many hands were raised out of <laughs> manufacturers. Not one, not a single hand was raised. So we've been, we've been trying this and failing for the past 25 years to get to a level that we believe, or Alan D would say we should believe, of getting our, le- our, our network to a point of competence to deal with complex faults. Again, this is very automotive at the moment, but can yeah, be related. No, I, I, I still think it applies to, uh, to other industries. It's just, you know, it's just our background. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of just raising people's eyebrows a little bit in the room to say, well, if we haven't succeeded in the past 25 years, and 25 years ago we had the internal combustion engine, now we've got the internal combustion engine with all the add-on bolt-on emissions goodies that we've got today, plus we've got running parallel to that a, a electric vehicle, what makes us think we're actually going to succeed today, tomorrow, mm-hmm. in, in having this utopia of a master technician in every single retailer across all our brands. And then add, add to the um, the equation that 
you know, what's uh, how many networks don't have the right amount of technicians in their network. And of course, they they rob from each other. They so we've got, we've got a hole. We don't have enough people in the network and we don't have the level of competency and we've never achieved it. So something is clearly wrong. We're doing something wrong and we need to think a little bit differently as opposed to how we get that competence out, out in our network. Yeah, and there's there's often quite a bit of focus put on attrition um, and staff retention, yeah. um, which are, you know, they're all the, all the right thing to do, but it, it feels almost a little bit like the cart, the, the cart before the horse. Um, mm. Where you're looking, um, you're looking at how to retain someone, as opposed to trying to understand why one why they're leaving in the first place. That's, that's point number one. But also, um, why are you so bothered that they're leaving? Well, that can only be because you've invested so heavily in that individual that you don't that you don't want them to leave. So, so I've got I I, I have a I have a mildly controversial view um that that we're getting it wrong and you know you said you said yourself you know it's not been it's not been particularly working you know it works to a level but i don't think it comes anywhere near returning the returning the investment um where we spend all of this time and effort training people to such a high level you know and you referred to you know master technician level um, and I was fortunate enough um, many years ago to be trained to master technician level. Um, but I would be interested to know, and you know, I could take I could take a wild guess as as most people could. Um, I'd like to know how much master technician time is sold each day in a you know in an automotive dealership. Because, you know, I'm confident that they're not selling eight hours worth of master technician level time. You know, so that higher that higher level. Now, I know there's a cascade, so they're helping other people with their knowledge. I understand all of that. But even if you took that into account, I wouldn't mind guessing it's probably something like 20 to 25% maximum probably less on you know on an on an average um on an average month year whatever um of actual master technician time So what that's saying to me is you put all of this money into a smaller and smaller number of people and then you're not you're not selling that time anyway and you're worried about they might leave because someone you know another dealership has offered them another two pound five pound you know whatever an hour and I've had discussions with people in the past where they said well actually training people to that high level helps to lock them in. Well, that feels like imprisonment to me. <laughs> you know, why why would you want to do that? You know, you should be treating people well enough so they want to stay. You know, and I think I've mentioned it before. Richard Branson said, train people well, uh, you know, well enough so that they can leave. Treat them well enough so that they don't want to. So there's a there's a whole mindset shift, um, you know, in how you treat your people to retain them. But you've got this population of highly skilled people 
whose time isn't really being sold, which comes yeah. back to why do we do this? Why do we continue to do it? There's There's got to be another solution. So if we take into account, um, and let's let's touch upon the micro using YouTube or U- YouTube as an example. Um, other video streaming platforms are available, um, but if we take YouTube as the um, as the example, if you bring a technician into your business that has a base ability, so let's say it's a level three qualification, that's generally the industry norm. They already know how to use a spanner. They know lefty-loosey, righty-tighty, and they understand how an engine fundamentally works. They might not understand all of the idiosyncrasies of the vehicle that they're working on today. But then, even if, you, uh, even if you've been working for a, um, a manufacturer's brand for a number of years you still don't have all of the knowledge of every vehicle um in the range it's just it's just not feasible nowadays with the amount of different vehicles um but you've got so you've got the base skills you don't know every vehicle so when a repair comes in that you don't know why can't you go to youtube and upskill yourself instantly or within a matter of minutes you know of watching the video and skipping through and all the rest of it so you understand you understand how the repair should be carried out you know i i do it with my wife's with my wife's car i i'd never worked on one before as a technician every time i go to do anything with it the first thing i do is look it up on youtube yeah so it's the same so it's the same principle i understand I understand the tools. I understand how a car works. I know the front from the back and all of the basics because, to be fair, they're pretty much all the same. Um, but you you dip into um, that micro learning, or you know, and in this instance, we're, we're, we're saying YouTube. You dip into that when you need it. So if you loop back to the conversation that we've had about competence, now all of a sudden, competence is fluid. Because yeah. you're accessing the knowledge that you need to ensure that you're competent at the point that you need it. Not having all of this knowledge piled into your head. The example I used in a previous podcast around an automatic gearbox um, course that I'd been on. Um, I, you know, that, that's, that's the prime example that it doesn't actually matter how long it is because you just dip into the micro learning. Yeah, we, you, you'd never be able to access it anyway, even if you had all that knowledge in your head. It's going to be boxed up somewhere at the back, and you're just not going to be able to recall it and pull it to the front of your head and then still be effective at whatever it is. You'd have to be superhuman, and that certainly isn't me, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I guess the difference is, we, we and we've both been on, on apprenticeship-themed um, uh, qualifications and courses where we've had a base level of learning, particularly in the world of automotive, Add on to that additional learning that we've had in leadership and management. We, we're at ability where we can confidently say, semi-confidently say, that where I'm missing or I've got a gap in my knowledge, I can go and research and teach myself. I don't need to put myself on a course. So actually what we're probably saying is missing within these learner journeys for these, you know, let's call them advanced individuals because there are certain tasks that need a level of um, ability from an individual to be able to carry out is that rather than 
cramming their head full of all of the complex knowledge across all the different systems on a on a vehicle mm-hmm. it's actually about giving them a base level of this is where you can find information from this is where you can self-learn and self-educate and actually giving them a level and the tools they need to as you say go away with a clear head mm-hmm. come across a a new fault on a new bit of a new engine that they haven't worked on before and they've got to, i don't know replace the timing chain it's completely different access where they can find that information out that's engaging and relevant so not your 150 html pages of a manufacturer's um technical handbook but of course all our technicians read cover Um, to cover yeah absolutely access a two three minute video that shows look this is how you remove the chain and this is the tensioner on it ah bingo yeah. and let them carry it out. So that there is still a level of, of, of competence or ability that you need an individual to carry that out. But actually, let's let's. there's an argument to say that do we need to spend the days and days of training on every specific technology mm-hmm. to make them competent or actually just give them the tools that they need, recognise that they're at the ability where they can self, self-learn mm-hmm. and then give them the platform in micro-learning to go and fish for themselves and carry out them to repair themselves. I mean, you don't. You don't have to. Some some might some might argue, ah, oh, but that increases the risk because we've not shown them how to do it properly. But actually, you could, you know, you could very quickly create um, create the 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 video because ultimately that's the medium that we're talking about um, yeah. that that just covers the basics and any safety related issues. You know, so don't forget, you must do A, B, and C, and then you know assume that everything else in the in the middle they understand as in you've got to undo these bolts you know or you could film the whole lot and then just let them zoom through it but making sure that the key salient points are there and available to them as they would be in a youtube video that tells you how to wire a plug you know in your in your house or you know how to i don't know clean the fluff out of your your boiler it's it's there everything is there you you only need the base understanding and know where you can access that. Now all of a sudden, people will always be minutes away from being competent at what they're trying to do. And I, I think what's missing in most industries at the moment is the agility of content. Yeah. So we're, so um, so what what we're talking about here is um, manufacturers correct repair procedures to ensure that it's done right first time it meets warranty per, um, <laughs> fulfillment etc but the problem, the problem that we have the time it takes to create that content mm-hmm. and then put it in a form that is easily accessible by by individuals to carry out is so it's, it's, it's months, it's sometimes it's even years to create that and get there. So, so it's just lost all its agility. It's just not agile in the first place. Mm-hmm. So the whole concept from, from video is, ah, we've got a manufacturing issue here with this particular part or this particular system on this fantastic new product that we've set out the customers are now suffering. What's the issue? How do we fix it? Video it. Put the processes within the video. 
get it out there and get it to these people in a format that they will engage with and they'll be able to upskill themselves. Or what we do at the minute is we need to create a course for this. So it goes to the authoring team, it goes to the warranty department, it goes to all these different departments. So a year later, we have this fantastic face-to-face or virtual classroom course to fix a problem that you have just dissatisfied customers over the past 12 months because your training is your solution is not agile it's not yeah. it's not with the time it's not fluid yeah and i think um i think it's because um the i guess the embracement of technology um hasn't fully hasn't fully hit so one the fact that most uh, most technicians certainly that i know will dip into YouTube to find out how to fix something that they're not not 100% sure of. So that's point number one. YouTube's been about long enough now to know that that's a, that's a stable way of doing it. And you can have secure YouTube channels or or you could host it yourself if you want to go through that go through that expense, you know, you you can you can host it yourself through Vimeo or whatever. Um but also we we haven't in automotive fully embraced what I would say is the the slightly newer technology. So if we if we take uh, take into account the um, that kind of base level ability of a technician, so we're we're you know make sure that you're recruiting the right technicians to start with, as in they're not unqualified, they are qualified to a level. So you're bringing those technicians in. You don't have to necessarily keep doing what we've been doing uh, as you said for 25 years that hasn't necessarily been effective which is training people to this really high level and then worrying about attrition rate what you could do is as a, a you know as an automotive manufacturer and we are talking about manufacturers so this doesn't necessarily um doesn't necessarily support the independent network um in quite the same way however there are organizations out there that could still offer this as a solution um where you create a technical center of excellence for want of a better phrase um where you train a handful of people to that high level and you re- you remunerate them accordingly so there's much less chance of of attrition anyway and then you use technology to support the network so you know through augmented reality glasses where someone could dial in so uh, you know one of these highly skilled technical people could dial into the technician that's carrying out the repair and guide them through it this is already done in the military um and it's been i'm aware of manufacturers that um that have started to issue you know hollow glass hollow glass technology um but it's primarily around um for what for warranty repair as opposed to scaling that up and saying well hang on a minute we don't we don't need these huge training centers we don't need millions of pounds worth of vehicles to train technicians on to this really really high level we can do this differently utilizing technology now i i um much the same as you said about presenting to um to an automotive uh group of manufacturers um i presented to um to a group of l and d experts and i started to talk about downskilling um now of course in l and d terms what that's you know that's dirty words why would you do, why would you downskill but actually the the 
technology that we now have has never existed before. We didn't need to do it like this before because we couldn't do it like this before. But now we can. Now, that just because you can doesn't mean you should, but most certainly the conversation should start taking place because it's harder and harder and harder for, for certainly in automotive, for manufacturers to keep people at that higher level. And I, I think that is going to be compounded um, and made considerably more challenging with vehicle electrification, because not not only is the is the technology a leap a, a leap forward, um, the type of people required in the industry to effectively carry out the repairs on those vehicles is different. Yeah. So now I'm not suggesting that you let that you let an inexperienced technician play around with a high voltage vehicle because anybody listening to this that understands it would probably be screaming at the you know at their device at the moment listening to me say that. No, I'm not suggesting that at all. There are still elements that you would need to train in a traditional way. But the reality is this happens on nuclear submarines where you've got experts dialing into technicians that are working on working on nuclear subs yeah it goes back to the yes the statement with l and d will have them raising their eyebrows around de-skilling the network but it goes back to the point of we have never been at that point of saturation where we have we've created this framework we've implemented it over the past 25 years and we've never succeeded as an industry is in, in getting what we deem as the right level of competence in our networks we've, we've never hit it particularly in master technicians level and you're you're the perfect example dave because you've you were a master tech and you've left you've mm-hmm. progressed on to different things and you've moved on and that's just the reality of it so actually utilizing technology to say well we, we can't get this number of master technicians out in the automotive network. We've never succeeded and we're never going to retain the people that, that, that get there in the first place. And we've got technology now that will enable us to deliver the same level of quality and competence in our network to our customers with less people. Mm-hmm. So actually making it more realistic and more fitting, utilising the reality that we don't have the numbers and we're never going to get them. We've, we've got technology here that we can utilise to actually make the numbers more relevant and, and equate a little bit a little bit better. Yeah, I guess there's an argument that um, sometimes the um, automotive isn't as progressive in its thinking um, as it re- as it really should be, and you know that's not you know purely a slate um, on automotive. I, I I believe there are other industries that are that are the same, but then there are other industries that are at the opposite end of that scale and are very progressive in their thinking and evolve very quickly. Um, but I guess just just you know to finish my point around you know training people to master technician level being being not as effective as as it you know we would all hope that it would be and that downskilling element. If I was a um, a service manager or a manager in an automotive network, and 
I was uh, I was able to choose and only pay for master technician time when I needed it because there is quite a quite a significant cost increase um, of employing a master technician over a, over a uh, you know a lower skilled technician. Yeah. If instead of me having to pay that master technician for all of this time that I'm not really getting that master technician um, skills to, to be able to sell, if I could buy that time in through, you know, like I said, a centralized function, dial it in and only pay for that when I need it, I'm absolutely confident that that would be much more cost effective when when actually it's you know it's seriously challenging for um for an after sales department or for an automotive dealership to actually make uh to make profit as it is so all of these things not only could you strip out huge amount of costs for the manufacturer you could also Take out not insignificant cost from the network uh, from the network as well, but it's a bit controversial, and mm. it would be a you know a seismic shift um, for the automotive industry, and some manufacturers I think would just struggle to undo all of the years that they've put into creating these you know the these mon- monster academies um and in humongous training centers but you know I, I think i think there's an argument for it yeah totally agree okay so uh hopefully another interesting uh, another interesting conversation so thanks for tuning into the podcast uh, we'll be back again at some point with some more training common sense Thanks for tuning in and listening to another one of our podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, visit us at haynesoliver.com.